Welcome back to the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Terhune. Joining me for, I think, the third time on this show, Mr. Garrett Elzinga. Hello. I, I do believe it is the third time. Yeah, because you, you were on previous episodes. You were on, the what, the best sequels episode? Mm-hmm. And then we did kind of a, a Halloween, the franchise. So as a yeah. Halloween, Michael Myers, the a franchise revisit. Good God. That's it's so many movies. It's a lot. And uh, we still both agree that Halloween six uh, ain't the best. So. No, <laughs> I mean, the first one's still the best, obviously, and they'll never yeah. beat it. So, no. Well, uh, let, before we get into our topic, which is uh, so, I don't know how I'm going to word it. The, th- the craziest things directors have done, but <laughs> y- you have a website, you got some you got albums. And st- let's plug what you need to plug. Sure. Um, yeah, I have a couple albums. You can listen to those online. Uh, my favorite one that I have is Bullet Biter, the MC Sessions that mm-hmm. came out in 2019 before the world ended. And it's just a bunch of me emceeing shows and then stitching it all together. So it sounds like one seamless show where the mm-hmm. MC doesn't leave the stage for over an hour. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. But uh, I'm plan. I have so many things recorded and doing, so I plan on releasing stuff in the future. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, Garrett Elzinga, you can find me everywhere. Awesome. Uh, so I I asked you to be on this because I this particular episode because I know you used to do a movie podcast, correct? Mm-hmm. So I figure, and the other two podcasts that we've done are movie based ones. So uh, do you have, I guess, a favorite director? Uh, that you 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 would recommend or and you enjoy one that no one ever talks about is Sidney Lumet and okay. he is he I would say he's my favorite just what is what has he done 12 angry men um <laughs> the whiz he okay. did before the devil knows you're dead um Serpico dog day afternoon just yeah. all these classic gritty raw melodramas Mm -hmm. and it's uh, amazing the way he tells the story and it the the camera doesn't feel like a character unless it needs to yeah for the story to be told and i think that's my favorite kind of director like you can tell it's their movie but it's also not them getting in the way of the movie yeah absolutely love it so and who's that again sydney lumet sydney lumet okay it's way the the more i i will do a deep dive on movies and stuff the more i realize i don't know anything <laughs> i like movies but then i'm like god there's so much that i don't know oh yeah um so and, and we're there are other examples of the craziest things have done uh, directors have done and some of the some of them were like sexual assaulty and and there's no assaulty about it it was and i'm like let's let's have a little fun with it let's yeah. not be terrible the world's already terrible so let's kind of you know keep it as lighthearted as you can with an abusive person uh, yeah we don't have to talk about hitchcock too much but yeah well that and that i have him in here because they were worse <laughs> ones uh well we'll start off with brian de palma if you're not familiar with brian de palma he directed scarface uh and dress to kill but uh today we're talking a little movie called carrie i assume you've seen carrie right oh yeah yeah, I'm the, curious uh, to see what this is. The Stephen King book, and of course, the the big climax in Carrie is the scene 
uh, at the the dance. The, I don't know if it's prom. I don't remember, but they dub they dumped the pig blood on her. And the Palma uh, in the the scene, the the fire hoses come off the wall and start moving mm-hmm. around. He wanted close ups of everyone being nailed hard by the fire hoses, uh, you know, civil rights style. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but the the fire marshal said, "No way, this is too dangerous." And what does De Palma do? He just ignores that. Oh God! He says, "No way." Uh, so De Palma just ignored all that, went right ahead with what he was going to do, blasting a bunch of people and somebody that you know, uh, an actress, uh, PJ Souls. Mm-hmm. So for people that aren't aware, if you've seen the movie Halloween, PJ Souls is uh, she's in there. She's with uh, Bob. She says, uh, you see anything you like? And then you get a nice shot of, uh, you know, all that. Her I don't fire hoses. Know. Yeah, the fire hoses. <laughs> so she's in that. She's in a bunch of movies. Uh, but uh, so he blasted everybody with the fire hoses. De Palma was impressed by how the actress screamed in agony and then collapsed to the ground. And and that was because uh, when she turned her head, it ruptured her eardrum. Jesus. And she passed out from the pain. Souls was deaf in the ear for six months. And yet De Palma cites it as the highlight of the scene. Wow. Well, yeah. Can't cancel him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, because he's dead, right? Uh, no, he's still alive. Okay. Um, well, he should be. No, I'm okay. No, <laughs> I take, I take it. It was a joke, but it was. It's, it's one of those where it happened and it's done. But it's also it shouldn't have been done in the you like the. Yeah. That's why there's a thing why it's called acting. Let's pretend oh, yeah. to be hurt. Let's not get hurt. You know that that happens all the time. I mean, I don't know who else is on the list, but I, I've got some some stories but no if you uh, have stories and it's on the list we'll jump to it so oh okay yeah that i feel like i've heard that because pj souls has she's talked on you know making of features or stuff Mm -hmm. i i always love when there's the special feature on the dvd or the blu-ray and it'll be like her telling that story and i'm like you're disparaging the director on the actual DVD of the movie. This is amazing. The studio's yeah. like, we don't care. That's fine. Well, at that point, that's what this they're got the clickbait stories are going to be written about that, and they might move some units. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it was like in theaters, they're like, keep your goddamn mouth shut. Oh, yeah. But now the DVD's <laughs> out, and the you know, they're like, it's 40 years later. You can tell the story about how you were deaf for six months. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. We'll laugh at it, huh? He's like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next director we're going to talk about, uh, Gene Kelly. And when, when I when I heard Gene Kelly, isn't Gene Kelly the uh, uh, in in Rear Window? That's Gene Kelly, right? Uh, no, that's Grace Kelly. Grace, that's right. Because in my head, because I was going to say it's not, it's not that person. <laughs> and then I paused for so long, and you're like, oh, am I right? Yeah, well, uh, in my head, I'm like, I didn't know she directed. Oh, it's not her. It's a it's a guy <laughs> named Gene Kelly. Yeah. Um, and this this actress I had to look her up, but she said, uh, Sid Sharice once summed it up best. She said, "You give your heart to Fred Astaire, but you give your body to Gene Kelly." Mm. He was the director of uh, a bunch of stuff, but mostly singing in the rain. Singing in the rain. Yeah. Yep. So he's known for being a perfectionist, making everybody work 18 hour days, and that's fine for him. But the thing is, not everybody's going to work 18 hour days or wants to or can, you know, 
So uh, his co-star Debbie Reynolds had no dance experience when cast uh, as the love interest and was not prepared for how intense Kelly would be. Just rehearsing with him was enough to make your feet ache and Kelly uh, pushed uh, pushed her on, yelling at her and refusing to let her rest even when her feet were literally bleeding. Uh. Got to the point that Reynolds uh, would hide under a piano and crying and, and Kelly had to admit how bad this was and apologize to her, but like, first off, this is a singing, dancing movie, and you're like, let's hire somebody that doesn't dance. Like, that's insane. It, it's like a bad decision all around. Where, like, and also, you can just recast somebody, you can fire them and then recast them. Mm-hmm. But, but also, um, to expect everyone to do 18 hour days is awful. That's insane. Like, he's just sitting. He's yeah. just the director. He's not the one dancing. And it's it was just uh yeah, to have your feet bleed. That's that's you know, makes me think of the Beatles, I got blisters on me fingers type <laughs> thing, you yeah. know, like it and I'm sure an 18 hour day for a lifelong dancer is rough, let alone somebody that's doesn't really dance to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be like if I got cast and they're like, You gotta dance for 18 hours. Yeah. I'm like, I, or I can leave. I got blisters on me hooves. <laughs> uh, here's uh, one that I, I guy I never heard of before. And that's where I've, I realized quickly, I don't know a lot about uh, films and cinema or at least uh, non-American films and cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this guy's name is Henry George's Clausat. Uh, Clau I'm probably saying that incorrectly, but it was kind of known as the French Hitchcock. Hmm. Uh, he believed the best way to get real emotion from actors was to put them through real horrors, which always goes well, right? Uh, for huh. his movie, uh, Les Diabliques, I think is how you say it. Actors had to eat raw, real raw putrid fish. And he once uh, had Charles uh, Vanell submerged in actual crude oil. Jesus Christ. Like, again, there's acting like I, I, I don't think me, I think you're a wrestling fan too, right? Um, I, I know, I know it's yeah, fake yeah. and I know I, the story is more encapsulating yeah. than anything. Yeah. But it's, I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan and you hear stories of like guys, it's, it's all fake. It's, and it's predetermined, but then there are guys that want to make it look real. So they mm-hmm. make it real. And the whole, mm. I'm like, well, it didn't just be a real fighter because the whole point of wrestling or acting is to make it look real without it being real. Yeah, you know? exactly. And sure, Ugh. like there, there are countless uh, examples of somebody making it look real, and that's because they're a good actor. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to make them eat raw fish that's putrid, and you know, it's it's you don't have to. You can if if the actor's like, I will do that, and then you're like, okay. Let's agree on eating <laughs> yeah. the raw fish, but don't just say eat the raw, f- the putrid fish, you know, like, I don't know. It's so, it's so crazy where, I mean, Sam Raimi will put his actors through hell, but at the same time, like he's friends with them and mm-hmm. there's a mutual understanding that that's just, you know, the way it is. And it's like to get the performance, like sometimes to get the performance, I understand like, you want to get that authentic reaction and you know, it's not going to happen until this happens, but like, mm-hmm. 
submerging a person in crude oil and <laughs> having people eat raw fish yeah. like what what how interesting can this movie possibly be like i <laughs> i don't yeah. even know if i want to watch it now can you imagine if you got uh submerged in oil and then it flops you're like oh. i did that for that you know like submerging somebody in oil seems like a mafia style thing like yeah let's dip them in oil you know <sighs> god but uh, i also wouldn't want to see it with cg today where it's just it looks terrible and yeah floating slowly and that's fake oil <laughs> that's, sna- like, that's snake oil you were mentioning like sam raimi i'm sure sure a lot of directors it's like you can have real situations and push the boundaries but i think also it's important for a good director and good actor to also just have a safe word just be yes. like yeah banana like <laughs> i'm sorry i thought i heard plantain action yeah, keep rolling um and uh, that's not all that this guy did uh, we're going to talk oh about no. uh, bridget bardo in a movie called uh, la verite uh bardo was to have a scene simply asleep with drool coming out of her mouth but clausat or clauso believed that bardo that's a lot of names uh just couldn't pull <laughs> off such a simple acting uh, scene. So he he did the logical thing and he gave her sleeping pills. Fucking Christ. The scene is she's sleeping with drool and he's like, not good enough. But he didn't tell her that they were sleeping pills. He told her that they were aspirin for a headache. She looked great for the shot apparently, but then it dawned on the crew that she's not faking. She was rushed to the hospital to have her stomach pumped, nearly overdosing on what he gave her. You like, drugged somebody, dude, like and almost killed him. I mean, yeah. that the, the thing too, it doesn't even make sense logically because it's like you can film this scene in like 4 minutes if you just have the person act, but it's going to take 8 to 12 hours to get this one shot of the person's mm-hmm. sleep. Like she's out of commission the whole now she's in the yeah. hospital, you dumb shit. And she doesn't trust you. Uh, amongst a lot of other the crew doesn't well like what are you Mm-mm. doing if you'll do that to the star what are you going to do the key grip you know like <laughs> yeah. the fluffer no that's not yeah. a thing <laughs> and then you God. like you hear stories of like you know you could say what you want about clint eastwood i'm sure there are negatives and negatives i don't even know i'm sure but like we hear like his directing style of like he's like two takes and like we got it let's go mm-hmm doesn't want to work more than he has to more than eight hours a day like come in know your shit let's do it and then we're done it's not like a lot of people who we're about to talk about uh stanley kubrick oh god the shining Mm -hmm. well and then before that we'll talk about eyes wide shut but it's like then you the more you learn about these directors who i i love the shining uh, I, I like some of his other movies, but then you, the more you learn about these people, you're like, should I even be liking these movies? Should yeah. I? It's it's you know you find out the you say they say never meet your heroes, but also apparently you shouldn't do some research on stuff people, you know? <laughs> yes. So the, the, Kubrick's just known for perfectionism, and and the, like one of the rumors is that he directed the moon landing. Of course, one of the conspiracy theories, he directed mm-hmm. the moon landing. And I think that that's complete and total bullshit. Cause can you imagine making an astronaut jump at it? Like they're not going to put up with that shit. They're no. probably more Clint Eastwood. We got two takes. Let's go home. 
But you know, yeah. he he would have spent three years trying to get the moon landing right, and then Russia just would have landed on the real moon. You know? Oh yeah, that that he would have filmed it, and it would have came out in 1985. We would have landed on the moon <laughs> <laughs> years we, later. We did it. Well, actually, Stanley, we have the real technology by now, so. Uh, so he's known for just do it again, do it again, do it again. One of one of the examples is Sidney uh, Pollock. Like uh, yeah, did, did a uh, he made him do a, a single shot wherein he stood up and walked to a door without dialogue. He he made him do that for two straight days, filming eyes wide shut. See, I've heard this happening too with directors, and like, okay, so here's one: Sidney Lumet. He had to have Marlon Brando do one scene. I think it was like upwards of 48 times or something. Mm-hmm. He talks about it in his autobiography about making movies. It's called Making Movies. Mm-hmm. But it's because he had not memorized the lines and he he just couldn't get them. And it's a yeah. big, long monologue. And I'm like, this guy, wasn't he in Spartacus or something? He's been in movies where he has these big, long soliloquies mm-hmm. and he just couldn't get this one. And I think it's because he didn't show up to rehearsals. I could be wrong because- And who Sunil- are you talking about? Marlon Brando? Marlon Brando, yeah. Yeah, I think because- he's notorious for having like cue cards off the camera because like certain point you could do whatever you want. I think Kevin or uh, Robert Downey Jr., Mm-hmm. Uh, has like a, I think it's called an earwig or whatever, and so does Johnny Depp now. Like, well, somebody mm-hmm. will be reading the lines to him as he's acting. Like, that's annoying. Most, yeah. Well, it still works, I guess, because you get to a certain point, and we just need, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. in, in this movie, so he can do whatever he wants as long as he's in it. You get to that point, like if you and I acted, you got to know your shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not, you know, him saying the monologue, whatever, 48 times or whatever. Go ahead. Well, he uh, so Sidney Lumet would always do rehearsals. There's two mm-hmm. weeks of rehearsals because he were, he came from the theater. Mm-hmm. So he believed that if once you know where you're going and blocking and uh, the dialogue you're saying and you're listening and interpreting everyone else's lines and you're a part of it and you know it front to back, that's when you're able to finally improvise in it. Mm-hmm. So. But I think it was something where Marlon couldn't or just didn't show up to rehearsals. So he didn't know his shit and it cost production or whatever. And it took forever. And it's the fugitive kind. That's that's the movie. OK, but, but, then, uh, but then again, like that's if you made him do 48 takes and he just wasn't hitting his shit, then like that's not on the director. No, that's like, totally on Marlon Brando. But how do you stand up and walk to a door and it doesn't look convincing like what yeah. are you looking for we've all per- faked sleep you don't uh, need sleeping pills like no and like I, I guess if you're trying to like get a, a more elaborate scene that requires you know and i'll say real acting but it's also like you're asleep mm-hmm. like it, it I, I could see it if you had a scene and you had to do it over and over again and maybe use some tricks, which you shouldn't. It's all about consent or whatever. But it's like you wasted your trickery on sleep, yeah, or walking to a door. Like, like, come on, man. Like, I, I just don't like. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, what are these directors looking for? What? Because I there's yeah. so many movies where I've seen someone like sleeping, and I'm like, in my head, oh, they're pretending to sleep. Yeah, but I mean, it's no, willful. It's a movie, you know? Yeah. Like, 
it's called willful suspension of disbelief where you're yeah. just like in you know your first thought is oh they're pretending to sleep but you let that go to the back and then you're yeah. like that person's sleeping mm-hmm. <laughs> that character is sleeping yeah because in the same movie we know that they didn't kill that guy mm-hmm. you know like what what's the difference we know that you didn't kill the guy but also you know what she's not really asleep she's faking <laughs> like and we we move on to the uh, shining and of course it's and the thing is like kubrick for the most part i haven't seen all the movies but it's like he's one of the most celebrated directors and makes good movies so yeah. can can you argue with his tactics you can but it's also like he made good shit yeah so then you're like well i guess it works but also just you don't have to be shitty you know? yeah like, i know people try to put actors through torture so they have a tortured performance mm-hmm. and in the shelly duvall it's shelly duvall right or yeah, shelly duvall shelly duvall i couldn't remember if it's shelly long and i'm like no that's poseidon adventure <laughs> but in that instant she's a terrible like she's a terrible actress like i i disagree it, it really yeah from I, from the least, shining yeah i like her performance on the shining yeah that's because he got that out of her but did he like <laughs> I see that's the thing I don't know because I haven't seen those other takes I do know there's the one where he made her swing a, a baseball bat like 58 times or something it was or 100 and, 127 times yeah now that's insane so it makes me wonder if she, he had her do that and then they're like okay now let's do the dialogue scenes where you don't have to act like yeah. that so then she's just tense the whole time I don't know. Well, and her her character, you know, same with Jack Nicholson. He his character is a descent into madness. Yeah, and hers is too. But it's also that's why it's called acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and but then also, if if you have an agreement of you know I'm going to push you and I'm going to make you crazy. Yeah, you should also have a safe word to be mm-hmm. like, this is a bit much. Let's you know. <laughs> she said banana. Banana takes in. Uh, so she she did she swung the axe 120 27 different times. Uh, he, he made Scatman Crothers break down crying, and I don't remember how many takes it was of that. Uh, but she's uh, you know howl, howling and screaming on set uh, mm-hmm. at at Shelley Duvall to the point she started losing her hair. Yeah, she lost uh, her hair. He seemed to think that the best way to make Duvall look believable uh, was being trapped by a psycho was to make her feel like she was being, you know, gaslit and all that stuff. Like, yeah. And again, I, it, it's a good movie. I think the performances are great, but mm-hmm. did you have to go that far? I mean, that's the thing that like, I don't know. I mean, again, if he, it comes back to this, if you don't like the performance you're getting out of someone, get a new actor like yeah that, it, it's that simple because what you're doing is you're wasting time and money of the studio mm-hmm. and it's not it clearly is not working but when we see the finished product it does yeah so like i think she's great in that movie but i can't tell if it's because she is great or if it's because that's what he did to her you know yeah it's but- mm. Uh, let's talk about a, a guy named John Ford. And this is another one that I didn't know, but th- do you know John Ford at all? I do. I Didn't he direct uh, like st- 
stagecoach. He no. directed the searchers, the, the informer, mm. uh, the grapes of wrath, how green was my Valley and the quiet man. He won best director for all those four different times. Wow. So that's a lot. That's like, yeah, obviously a testament to the guy's talent. And Scorsese only won for the departed. So the departed. Yeah. <laughs> But it, I thought it was he, the years he won were 36, 41, 42, and 53. That's a so, pretty big gap. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, over, you know, almost 20 year span. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Informer, uh, Ford kept the star Victor uh, McLagan off guard by telling him they were rehearsing when really they were f- really filming and making him perform drunk and even act with a horrific hangover. Uh, but that guy won an Oscar for the movie. So again, that that's not the worst. Maybe like if you're like hazing a, like a frat boy, Hey, drink and then do the lines or whatever. Well, that's the thing. Did he tell him to get drunk or was it like, he just was drunk because he thought he was rehearsing. Yeah. I, and that, that's the thing. It was like, if you're filming while rehearsing, I can see that. That's that's like that doesn't really hurt anybody. I no. don't think to like do that, but then to make them drink or like get up, pussy. We're gonna go film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh god, we're gonna go rehearse. He's like, I'm hungover and rehearsing. Yeah, yeah. I, unless the you know the character's hungover in the scene, then it's perfect. Mm-hmm. There's no acting to be had. It's real, but it's also like if you're doing the this the song and dance from, uh, uh the the rain movie we just talked singing in the rain mm-hmm. and with a hangover what what are you making him ha- be hung over for the song and dance you know like uh. here's here's the one where it gets a little messed up he's working with shirley temple uh on a, a comedy called wee willy winky uh never fan of child stars ford uh, felt temple couldn't probably pull off a dramatic scene so he had an assistant go up to temple just before shooting to tell her that her dog had been run over by a car. Jesus. It ended up being a great scene, but showed how uh, the respect he didn't, ha- he didn't, he didn't care about the, like you imagine you're about to go on stage for what, and you're like, Oh yeah, by the way, your dog just died. Action. Go mm-hmm. like. Give it up for Garrett Elzinger. For a, for a yeah. child. Like, uh, I mean, that's the thing. The thing that pisses me off the most about all of these things is it's the assumption it's the assumption of the director that his actor can't act. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that upsets me. There's a reason that they're there. Yes. You, yeah. you watch an audition or whatever, like just, I guess, put your faith in the actor that they can do the job that you hired them to do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, then the, the next option shouldn't be let's lie to this child who has also gone through a ton of sexual advances and assaults. Like that's mm-hmm. a true thing about Shirley Temple, but you're going to pile on that and tell her that her dog died right before she does a take trying to get the best performance, even though you haven't tried to get a performance yet. Yeah. Or it reminds drug me. someone because you don't think that they can sleep fake sleep, fake sleep correctly. Uh, that reminds Ugh. me of the Simpsons episode where Homer ha- goes to roast uh, Mr. Burns, and right before he goes on to perform comedy, uh, Smithers says, uh, "Small dog, not unlike Lassie, was just run over in the parking lot, and now give it up for the comedy stylings of Homer <laughs> Simpson." <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> uh, I, I mean, I've followed like cancer benefits or whatever, where they're like, oh, we're praying for so-and-so. Anyway, here's, I'm like, yeah, oh, I can't believe this is outside of a Simpsons episode. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's in the Simpsons episode because it happened to one of the writers on the show who clearly did stand up. Yeah, where it's like, and I, I've I've done enough of those types of gigs to know, hey, what is what is the what is this reason? What's the, is it a charity? Is it a whatever? And mm-hmm. uh, what's before me? Because you've I've heard enough horror stories to think of like we're gonna play a ten minute slideshow of how this guy died, <laughs> and then now the comedy. It's like. God, it's comedy's hard when the circumstances are perfect. Yeah. Let alone we're thinking about this guy who died or whatever happened, you know, like. Well, the thing is, we have like there's been hecklers that I've had where they just will not shut up and there's no policing the room. You can say anything. The crowd laughs and they just don't get it. They keep going. Yeah. And then after the show, they'll come up to you and they'll be like, hey, man, just wanted to help out. Thought that was pretty funny because I helped. And it's like. You're not helping. That's that's the Stanley Kubrick of stand up comedy, that awful heckler that won't stop talking mm-hmm. because it's like I can do this without you. Like you're making it harder. Yeah. And we're not getting a better product out of it. Yeah. I saw the one one show we did and your hair was falling out. You started to shake and <laughs> you, I felt bad for you, man. But I just I, this- I was just trying to help out, Garrett, is what I was trying to do. So I had to swing the mic stand 148 times. It's crazy. <laughs> Again. <laughs> uh so you're familiar with Howard Hughes, probably. Yeah. Oh God. Well, the there the old joke is Howard Hughes uh, was insanely rich and uh richly insane. Mm-hmm. Most notable credit is a movie called Hell's Angels, a drama about World War One fighter pilots. Hughes wanted it to take it to, to new heights, no pun intended, to make it look great. So we hired actual veteran pilots from World War One to help shoot the flying scenes. He then proceeded to put them in uh, antics that made most of them wish they were back in World War One. Stunt work was so wild that four people died in crashes. Jeez. And this article says when he was informed, he rushed to the set after he was done with his golf game. <laughs> like, so well, whether that part is true, it's like, clearly this guy doesn't give a shit. Well, that's a better sentence than he rushed to the scene to try to film the flaming yeah. <laughs> planes. I guess that's, but he probably did do that too. Did we get it? Did we get the crash? <laughs> well, he, He's famous also for designing a new bra that Rita Hayworth would wear for, I think it was the outlaw. Mm -hmm. And that's the legend. And he did design it, but she didn't wear it. Or maybe it was Jane Russell. I think it was Jane Russell. Um, Maybe. I can't remember. It's all these old, older, um, like 20s, 30s, 40s names. It sounds but, uh, like, you know, the more you read uh, about Howard Hughes, it's a whole movie. It's The Aviator, but it's like, yeah, this guy is a whole podcast episode. If you wanted a deep dive in this dude's crazy life, you know, for sure. Yeah, he's absolutely insane. But yeah, I mean, she she's like, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> and that's to me, that's an in- insane behavior. Like, I want to make your boobs look so perfect and push up so well. I have designed a new bra for you. Wow. Well. Wow. <laughs> I can't like people would just get away with that. Do it. Um, 
Again. Now, the final the final scene in in Hell's Angels. Uh, they said it was so dangerous that none of the pilots, none of the real World War One pilots, wanted to do the scene. So here's something I can respect. He did it himself. Mm. He he flew the plane, uh, crash landing it, and then was in the hospital and needed facial surgery. So at least wow. don't ask anybody to do something that you yourself won't do. But then also turns out it's really stupid to do. Like, <laughs> That's, ah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he is, he's in the hospital for, I mean, I just, now I just imagine Stanley Kubrick putting a wig on and him <laughs> waving and, that axe around. And Shelly <laughs> Duvall being like, swing it. <laughs> yeah, he throws his shoulder out and has to and go to the hospital. I don't give a shit, Stanley. Swing. <laughs> Uh, we're, we'll talk about Hitchcock with uh, Tippy Hedren on the set of The Birds. Oh, God. That... Uh, and I think it's the stuff I know about Hitchcock. I know he loved his blondes. Yep. Yep. Uh, and it's, it wasn't Gene Kelly. It was who? Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. Uh, Grace Kelly. Uh, the, the, the abuse included throwing live birds at her, which The Birds is a great movie, but a, a movie that I think probably won't ever be remade because these were all real birds. Um, when it's like the shots of what look like real birds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but it's also, would you even would they would anybody let like that all those real animals on a set anymore? You could do it with no, computers, not with the diseases that they carry. That's that, true. That yeah. is absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, and what, yeah, when I say real bird, when it's clearly a real bird, if it's fake, yeah. it's clearly, fake, but it's like. <laughs> I just heard, I heard all the birds and I'm like, wait a minute. There's the scene where she's in the toll booth or the, the phone booth. And yeah. Just um, taking a seagull and stepping back like Peyton Manning and throw it into the glass. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, okay. So throwing live birds at her, uh, even having Hedron tied to one that clearly, uh, that nearly clawed her eyes out, much Jesus. like the movie. Yeah made her uh it made her look believably scared but was truly she was afraid for her life and far worse hitchcock became infatuated with her so mm. you probably cast somebody that you yourself would want to you know make wear a bra that you made for her, you know mm-hmm. uh he, he hired staff to follow her offset that's crazy for what uh, did he give a reason no but it's probably just to keep tabs or who Who's she banging or whatever, you know, like he's he's such a fucking like brilliant movies. Like he knew how to tell a story with that camera. He was mm-hmm. amazing. But like the the obsession with actresses that you will never have sex with, like you mm-hmm. you are a fat, slovenly, like bald. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you. And like not a good personality. Like he was just awful. I don't know. I just like well, a he man was married, wasn't his, he? What's I think he was yeah, married. But it, that's that's not stopped that's never stopped a bunch of people, you know. It, it but, hasn't, I know. But it's like but, a guy who's famous for like his silhouette. And I know, it's like he's like, got like seven stomachs. Like yeah. <laughs> God. Don't you uh, like my cabios? Have sex with me, Tippy Hedren. 
when, when she rebuffed his advances, Hitchcock made sure that while under contract, she made no movies. By the time her contract was up, her career had cooled down. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you won't fuck me? I'll fuck you. Like, I'll just, you can't do any movies. That's the power dynamic. And I mean, if you'll notice also, after The Birds, which was not a hit, I don't think, uh, his career went right into the toilet. I mean, all the movies after that, like Topaz, Torn Curtain, um, Marnie, like who the, what are these? Everyone remembers Rear Window, Vertigo, Strangers on a Train, Psycho, Rope. Rope. Yeah. Yeah. But like um, North by Northwest after, yeah. after I think it was Psycho and then the birds was like not well received. Everything after that was family still plot. in that group that we talk about <laughs> is that you know the birds and i'd listened to an interview with tippy hedren one time there's a i think it's called the history of horror it's that e- eli roth show on amc <gasps> oh yeah i wanted to i wanted to watch that or listen to it it's on uh the streaming service shutter or amc mm-hmm. plus and then if you want to li- that of course they do a whole interview with a person but then they cut it up to fit uh, to th- what the movie they're talking about in the show, but then they make those full interviews available on the podcast version. Yeah. So it's called, I think it's called the history of horror, which I would definitely yeah, urge you to check out if you like horror and all that type of stuff. But uh, uh, let's talk about uh, Michael uh, Curtis. Do you know him? No. Director of Wait. Uh, Casablanca. Oh, Okay. C-U-R-T-I-Z. Interesting. Well, I mean, I feel like that's the only movie he's made. <laughs> there, there. Are, well, he, he. We're going to talk about Noah's Ark. Oh, uh, 1925. He was directing uh, Noah's Ark, and this says based on the Bible tale. I don't know whether tale there is besides the Bible one. Yeah. Uh, naturally, the big sequence was a massive flood, util- utilizing a 600,000 gallon tank of water. He pressured the shoot to be rushed to meet the studio deadline. Of course, when you rush and try to get things done, you don't always follow safety concerns. Mm-mm. This included not bothering to tell the extras that all the water was coming at them. God. Uh, actually saying they'll have to take their own chances. They're, they're actors. They're, yeah. Like, uh, thus the water came crashing down, causing so many injuries that 35 ambulances were needed. I mean, he should have never worked again. No. Uh, the lead star, Dolores Costello, came down with pneumonia. Mm-hmm. One extra extra had to have his leg amputated and three people drowned. Now, the question is, is the movie worth it? <laughs> well, it since good? you don't hear people talk about Noah's Ark, that one or any other versions, you know. Mm-mm. The studio, of course, hushed it all, but would uh, it would lead to the the rise, more safety concerns, and the creation of the Screen Actors Guild. So it's like mm. the actors are like, well, if you're not going to take care of us, we have to, you know. Yep. Um, six hundred thousand gallons of water. Also, that's so much water that I feel like that's more water than was in the Titanic tank. Yeah, and that, that was another James Cameron type thing. I, I kind of skipped over that, but that, that was problematic and people almost getting hurt too. And Cameron, the, the James abyss? Cameron himself. No, the Titanic. Oh, I didn't know about the Titanic ones. I did know yeah. about the abyss. Like Ed Harris almost drowned. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know if you have that on the list, but no, I don't. But uh, and there, there were some that I've like we kind of know the history, and then some we don't. So that you know, Michael uh, was a Michael Curtis. You, I didn't know about him, you know. So like, you you know this this next one, we all know this guy, uh, John Landis. Oh, this little putz. I I've said I've said so much in my personal life about this bullshit but yeah he's a i hate him <laughs> i hate him uh, well uh, he's the director of the blues brothers an american werewolf in london and trading places and i i liked the blues brothers one of my all-time favorite movies there's a whole episode i've done on this podcast about the blues brothers with uh, jason nicholson it's amazing go back and listen and it's like i didn't know this part because this is also a, a thing on shutter this the horror streaming service called cursed movies Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's he's directing the Twilight Zone in 1983, uh, and they're kind of reshooting some of the famous episodes and putting them in a movie. Uh, now there's a scene where they're they're in Vietnam, and the the actor uh, Vic Morrow had a had a shot most of most of the segment, but the final bit was being it was being him saving two lives of children during a Vietnam War, returning to his own time, a wiser man. He's a time traveler in the scene for the scene. Landis had a full mock-up helicopter complete with swinging rotator blades uh, for Morrow and the two children who, it turns out, were hired illegally. Ignoring the warnings from the technicians and safety consultants, Landis openly yelled that the helicopter should hang lower despite the explosions going on. Helicopter fell off its support and crashed, killing Morrow and the two children. On the scene, he was uh, uh, charged with manslaughter and found not guilty. Mm-hmm. That ruined three him people and, died. Yeah, two children and one veteran actor, um, literally decapitated them, and he was found not guilty. Uh, he should be in prison. Uh, <laughs> I hate John Landis. This ruined his relationship with Steven Spielberg because they were co-producers on the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, Steven Spielberg hasn't spoken to him since. Good yeah, call. I, I can imagine. I just. Yep. Man, but I love Blues Brothers. That's the thing. <laughs> Look, it's like I mean, that was that was made before. So I know, but it's also all those, all those good movies you mentioned were made before. Yeah. Uh, but man, just and then they the movie's out. You can watch the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah, like, they had to change it. They they change it so because they couldn't use that, obviously. But all that footage, it's real. <laughs> it's gritty. It's it's real. Yeah, that's the thing. He went. That's what happens when you go that far and you, you end up killing people mm-hmm. and there's like clearly no accountability for it. It's that is awful. Yeah. Three people are dead. And yep. that, that's still not bigger than uh, the Noah's Ark thing. Like, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, let's talk about the exorcist and uh, William. It's the freaking weekend. Have oh, to have God. me some fun. This man is. <sighs> I he's a national treasure, but he is absolutely maniacal when it comes to these yeah. stories on set. Well, and uh, for you, the listener, you know, uh, Gavin Eddings, he's been on the show a bunch. Uh, we we have a spinoff podcast called The Coming to Get You, all about horror stuff. And we talked about The Exorcist. We talked about the next entry. Uh, so if you want a deeper dive on The Exorcist in general, that stuff is over there. But uh, we kind of covered this on that podcast, but William Friedkin uh, fired a gun in the ear, like next to the the ear of uh, Father Karras. It, again, it was a blank 
but goddamn, just just on set, just to fire a gun and next to somebody's ear. He would do it all the time. Like he he had guns hidden around the set. So like he's he walks up to a dresser. He's like, oh shit, I got one there. I'll scare him really quick. It just all right, action. And then they're like freaked yeah. out by. He would do that all the time. Like, dude, what are you doing? The set was like negative whatever degrees. People would get, to make it. It was yeah. so cold in there. Yeah, and like. If it was, if he wasn't like doing it in people's faces, it almost seems funny to just have fake guns. Yes, and like a bit. But now, you know, with with the stuff of like uh, what Brandon Lee from The Crow, mm-hmm. prop gun killing him, and then the stuff with uh, Alec Baldwin, yeah, killing the lady, and it's like now you can't even play that. Like nobody wants to work on a set like that. You know? No, no, that's it's. It's a cap gun. Okay. You can use a cap gun to get but, <laughs> those but reactions. The thing is, is it really a cap gun? Or for some reason, is it the real gun that we also keep on set? Or yeah. the one that has the blank that will shoot the blank that makes it turn into a real gun? <laughs> like, well, cap guns, they all have orange tips on the end and they got their see through now. So no one can yeah. mistake them. Just make but, it nerf. Like, yeah. <laughs> You don't get a lot of, you know, I, I imagine Linda Blair wasn't scared if you shot a Nerf gun off by her head, you know? No. Just... <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> she got hurt on the set. You know, the scene yep. where Reagan's flopping back and forth. They had her on a piece of wood and, you know, it, it looks so real because it is. She's like, yeah. stop. Again, this is why you have to have a safe word because she was, you know, she was saying, oh, please, God, make it stop, whatever. But she was really saying, make it stop. But it's if she hurting said, me. If she said banana, like, <laughs> then you would know. Like, say something to ruin the take. That's that's one of the things that you can take away from this episode. If you're if you're ever in a situation, yeah, you need to say something. Yeah, but, say that safe she word. She can't say like what? Stick it up your cunt, because yeah. that's also in the movie. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with that movie, the problem is you really can't say much without somebody being like, "Man, she's she's so good at improvising." Like. <laughs> She's like, oh God, please, no, stop. Uh, uh, camel bazooka. All right, cut. Cut. Can't use what? That. The devil doesn't say that. Yeah, she literally she had um, spinal damage from from that because it it was always him telling like it was the thing where he just I don't know. It's a weird thing where you can't tell someone to act with like their body like that like Mm -hmm. i guess that's a thing so he's like hey to the guys operating it you you go crazy with it because the same thing happened to ellen burston Mm -hmm. when it was like hey you guys pull her a little faster and a little harder on this one and she didn't expect it and she fell and broke her tailbone and it's again then you've just like she's has other scenes probably to shoot and now you gotta you just stop the production or you got to go work on something else. Like at, at a certain point, I don't know, get a dummy. And I know it, it looks shitty if you get a dummy, but also you're not hurting real people or get a pad underneath something like get a pad stunt her tailbone. Ass. Yes. A, like a, somebody just, that knows they're going to get hurt and they're okay with it. And they're getting a big check, you know? Yep. I, I mean, I get the wanting to get that, that fear out of the actor and it works like both scenes are haunting and they work 
but at what cost? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think he, I think, I think both of them are okay with him now. And I yeah. think that's what alleviates it because, you know, accidents do happen, but it's just such negligence. I mean, granted, mm-hmm. he didn't throw $600,000 of, or 600,000 gallons of water. water. Yeah. That would have been what a twist in the exorcist. It's <laughs> just, just a bunch of flood. <laughs> um, and, and again, some people will say the exorcist is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. And he did that shit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it worked, I guess. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. It's uh, terrifying. And the exorcist that's also on the uh, series on shutter called uh, cursed movies mm-hmm. uh, worth a watch. It was also the treatment of William O'Malley, uh, O'Malley, the actual priest who played father Dyer, which is perhaps most notorious unsatisfied with his performance. Uh, Friedkin took him over to the side. He said, he said, Hey, do you trust me? And William said, yeah, of course I do. So then Friedkin slapped him in the face and then immediately yelled action. <laughs> I mean, Look, like I, a, I love that one. <laughs> like, of course you're slapping. That's assault, but it's also like light. So it's like, boom, now yeah. go like, and this I mean, guy was a real priest. Yeah, that I mean, well, that's probably why he did it. Uh, <laughs> what's the priest gonna do? Yeah, um, yeah, that one. I'm like, wait, what? So, what priest was he? Was he the he father? I think Father Karis is the young priest, and Father Dyer is the old priest. Okay, nah, maybe no, because the old priest is um, he dies. Max oh, von Sydow. It's the other priest that's kind of around in the movie and he's he the he's to. in he's in the last scene with the cop right in the in the original cut yeah it's, yeah, it's okay. not the uh, young or old priest it's the other one that's kind of around throughout the movie yeah i i remember him being very good and authentic and it makes me wonder if it's because of the slap <laughs> slap the shit out of you and now action god um we have we have two more uh and we're going to talk about another horror movie classic, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, what Toby, did Toby Hooper Toby do? Toby Hooper do. Well, the when you watch the, this, the the beauty of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it looks dirty, looks gritty, it looks hot, it looks like it smells, and that's because it was all that in real mm-hmm. life. Like they had a, a budget of three hundred thousand dollars, and they're filming in Texas in July with uh, temperatures reaching 110 degrees and rather than stretch the budget on new outfits, he just made them wear the same shit every day. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine they smelled a little bit differently from the first day on set to the last day on set for the climactic dinner scene. The windows were uh, blocked off, which meant that this, that the scene lasting 27 straight hours of filming Gene Fuck. Kelly, even Gene Kelly would be like, God damn, my feet are bleeding. <laughs> We need to stop. Uh, temperatures uh, reaching 120 degrees. Uh, and they're all wearing costumes, but then Gunnar Hansen is wearing a mask on his face. Yeah. Well, think about the grandpa that's like, he's oh, under yeah, a bunch of makeup, makeup too. He, he did the makeup and he's like, he only, he's like, I think that's the reason why they shot for 27 hours straight because he's like, I'm not putting this makeup on again. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. it. Um, and that the prop food uh, on the table quickly became rotted and made the play, the place stink. Uh, Hooper ignored the complaints 
because he made it feel the the film more believable. And I get like, sure, it stinks. That's I can see that where it's like it smells real bad. It's supposed to. Nobody's really getting hurt. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, get rid of the food. I mean, what? Like th- that's the thing that I don't understand. Where people are like, "Oh, it stinks," but it's like, "Oh, oh okay." Then so does it have to be there? Then take it out, right? I guess. Like I it's know. like the husband that won't take the trash out when the wife asks him. It's like, dude, just take the trash out. Dude, you need you need to stop talking shit about me. Or I'm, <laughs> <laughs> or I gotta go do Chubby it. Hooper on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do it too. So. <laughs> Uh, Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface, was so lost in the heat of, a, of the mask, he actually thought he was going to kill star Marilyn Burns. And there's a scene where they're trying to cut her finger to get the blood and then Grandpa taste it. Yeah, he yeah. actually ended up uh, the, the blood tube wasn't working. So he just cut her for real. Oh, my God. And again, that's a, it's a cut on the finger, but you're also hurting somebody. And she's not like, just cut me. So, yeah. That, so that's like was the whole experience. And I guess people stayed away from Hooper for a couple of years after that because they all just hated it. It was terrible. Wow. That I didn't know. I didn't know any about that. Yeah. I guess but it's not on those DVDs. It's probably not. But it's also people would say could be one of the greatest horror movies of all time. People will say that. So, you know, besides her getting cut, was it but the those- worst? maybe you know i guess but i mean those those things are like dude it yeah i mean because people get cut in that movie earlier like the the hitchhiker cuts himself the the hitchhiker cuts himself and i believe that the guy in the wheelchair he gets cut doesn't he Mm -hmm. yeah on the arm by the hitchhiker yeah yeah and then you you're like oh the blood tube's not working so I'll just cut this actress for real. It's like yeah. okay so are you going to go back and cut those other two actors for real? Like yeah. what when you throw when she throws herself through the window are you going to make sure that that's real glass and she gets cut up like Yeah. It, just after wait. 27 hours I'd be like just cut it for I don't give a shit. It's too hot. <laughs> but but again, if I said it then it, there's consent. She didn't yes. say that. Yep. So uh, we, we, our last one, we have uh, Quentin Tarantino. Now this one oh, yeah. is, is not really that bad. This instance, maybe he's done other stuff, but uh, we're talking about the film Inglorious Bastards with the, the character Bridget Von Hammersmark played by uh, Diane Kruger. Mm-hmm. So the, the last scene for her character, uh, she's getting, she's getting choked. So he says, can I really choke you for like 30 seconds or so? And she agreed. Mm-hmm. So he really choked her for, you know, 30. And that's a real performance. But again, he said, can I? She said, yes. That's still dangerous to choke somebody. But it's also, they were all in agreement. Here's what we're doing. So was it Quentin choking her or was it, um, oh, what's his name? The guy that plays Hans Landa uh i don't remember what his name is why can't i uh, I remember his name people are screaming right now yeah he was also in django he's a bond villain he played both blofeld um yeah now we we're we're now we're just driving ourselves uh you keep you keep talking but either way like it was there was 
it was okay that this happened, but it's still yeah, crazy. Was... Like there's there's fake choking and then there's real choking, but it's also did you really need a choker? Probably yeah. not, but you got the performance you wanted, I suppose. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Christoph Man. Waltz. Yeah. Waltz that has that that weird speaking cadence. But yeah. uh so was yeah. it him or was it Quentin in that scene? The stuff that I read, it was actually Quentin, but it it either way, it, they were really she was really choked. So maybe wow. like the close up with the hands. Yeah. Maybe, you know, as people say, he's got a foot fetish. Maybe he's got a choking fetish, too. <laughs> we got to look into him. <laughs> well, there, there's also in Kill Bill, the footage came out like right. The car after crash. The, yeah, the car crash, because um, it was supposed to be a stunt person. But then uh, Uma Thurman, um, he like made her do it. And then she suffered like back damage from it. Yeah. And I guess because and- uh, Weinstein. uh the, yep. the bad one i don't know if they're i think they're both bad but they're uh, both bad they both yeah. suck um wouldn't release the footage and now he's you know in jail or whatever he is so the footage has come and just her crashing that was yep. something else but i uh i thought it was more interesting to really choke somebody <laughs> yes because that yeah for sure that's such a weird thing and yeah, the grand scheme that. of things not as bad as 600,000 gallons of water, you know? It's true. 35 people. A guy had to be, an- oh, wow. And that we're not even talking about animals. No. I can't imagine. I don't, I like animals too much to do a deep dive of people that, animals that were killed on set. I, I wanted this to be somewhat lighthearted, you know, mm-hmm. like as much as you can be with children dying, you know? Yeah. I mean, there there are so many other stories out there. The the director of um, Wizard of Oz and what they did to Judy Garland and oh yeah, and I looked into it, but then then it got too much into sexual assaulty, yeah. And I was just like, nah, that's not fun. And that that's so that's on the the cursed movies uh, yes. thing too, as a Wizard of Oz. This this one's not. I do have one that wasn't mentioned. Do you have any? Do you yeah, want to tell go it? ahead. Mm-hmm. So there's a movie called Heaven's Gate and it's directed by Michael Camino, Michael Camino, Samino, something like that. But he also directed The Deer Hunter and The Deer Hunter was a huge hit, Oscar nominated. So then he gets the movie Heaven's Gate greenlit and the movie is like 217 minutes long. It's a huge long epic and bloated over budget and one of the things that kept making it over budget was he wanted to um do this special irrigation for this field to make the grass look a specific shade of green Mm -hmm. and that movie tanked so hard and the studio spent so much money on that movie that he single-handedly ruined directors and being auteurs in the 70s okay he blew it for everybody he 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 blew it that's how that's how we had jaws we had star wars we had uh you know like apocalypse now which also was overblown but it was a hit we had all these movies and all these auteurs and coming out of like uh, american zoetrope which was um francis ford coppola's thing Mm mm-hmm all those movies and then it was ruined by i think it was 1980s heaven's gate 
Oh, I found out 10 stories of excess from the production of Heaven's Gate. Uh, <laughs> Michael, and it's C I M I N O. So I, Camino, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll just do like the highlights of this. The, the cast spent at least six weeks learning to roller skate. Dude. Sydney Lumet, two weeks rehearsals. This guy, six weeks roller skate. To learn how to skate. Um, he the the Camino would pick and arrange his extras one at a time for every scene. At a certain point, just there's a guy need to wear a hat in the background. Okay, get a guy with a hat, put him over there. Nobody gives a shit, you know. Uh, That's the kind of stuff where like you hear about Kubrick and the movies he made, and you're like the detail, and it paid off. But then I guess with this movie. You didn't need to like this one says he ordered a minimum of 32 takes for certain shots. A minimum of 30. Yeah. Like, dude, you got it in take three. You don't have to do this. Yeah. Uh, he, he insisted on shooting his battle sequence in a field three hours, uh, a three hour drive from the production's base of operations. A gigantic irrigation system was installed to grow the grass. Yep uh begrudgingly showed off a few minutes of a finished film a few weeks into the shoot the producers were taken aback at how beautiful it looked camino may have been taking a painfully long time to shoot even one page of a script but at the point uh ua i think that's united artists were all still convinced that they could have a hit on their hands uh an expensive hit but a hit nonetheless so like it just shoot a page do something man Mm -hmm. like he made his cast and crew wait for the right clouds to roll over. Yep. And I, I mean, some of that I get, but also like Peter, I, I will say Peter Bogdanovich did that for the last picture show mm-hmm. and he waited to get the specific lighting. It was also filmed in black and white. So he waited for the specific lighting on this one scene. And as the dialogue is being said, the clouds open up, the sun comes down and it's perfect. And then I think something ruins the shot. Uh, so they have to like in the movie, I think they cut away and then they cut back. But I mean, that's just what you have to do. But uh, some of this shit, it just ruined it, ruined his career. It ruined, you know, apparently it's a good movie, though. Uh, that's what I've heard. Uh, he, he moved a whole train. Uh, there was a vintage locomotive he wanted to use for the film was too large to fit through modern railway tunnels. The thing had to be placed on the back of a truck and driven from its original resting place in Denver uh, to a museum uh, at, to Denver from Montana at apparently a huge expense. So he's like, I need this train. No, you don't. <laughs> there was reported uh, 16 accidents on set in one day. Um, I gotta watch I, this movie. Yeah, and just give me all the accidents. Like, <laughs> uh, he shot 1.3 million feet of film by the time it ended. Yeah, that's why it's so long, and that is, I, I it's very costly. It, that costs so much money to process uh, all that film. Approximately 220 hours of footage had to be. So that that's so much. Wouldn't it just be easier to be like, take three, get that one. And I get, you want to look over all your stuff, but man, 
Well, that's why you do dailies. There's there's yeah. daily rushes. So you can be like, print it. You, you go cut. And if you like it, you say print it. And mm-hmm. that means that they'll print that for the dailies. Yep. And then you can watch it and be like, mm, I thought I liked it. I don't really like it. But he's fucking shooting so much. To, what was it? 220 hours? Yeah, 220. Jesus. I mean, yeah. 27 hours, they shot one scene for the Texas Chainsaw, but they didn't keep the camera <laughs> running that whole time. Yeah. Uh, and he, I guess he turned his editing room into a fortress so nobody could get in. He was uh, spending 18-hour days trying to get it done before Christmas uh, deadline. Uh, he had bars put on the cutting room windows. He had all the locks changed so that nobody could come in. Said, I'm not showing it to the to I'm ready. So, you know, uh, higher ups want to come in. They want to snoop around, but he's not sh- he's not showing anybody. See, now I understand that because I do believe if you are the filmmaker, you should have creative control of your project. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you had one movie that was a hit and now the entire world is getting to your head. So. Uh, yeah, that, it's just too exorbitant. He uh, the cut of the movie that he uh, he had out in autumn of 1980 uh, was three hours and 39 minutes long. Mm-hmm. That's such a long. That's that's the Irishman, essentially. It it's almost Gone with the Wind. I mean, yeah, Gone with the Wind, Doctor Shivago, Lawrence of Arabia. These are all long films. And now, like today, that would have ju- they would have made it somehow a mini series. Mm-hmm. or whatever but back in the day they're like oh this is just one movie and and maybe we'll have an intermission otherwise piss yourself you know <laughs> uh, yeah and i i think this podcast is uh we're up to 220 hours on this podcast <laughs> well i mean this is all the parts that people have seen there's so much edited out i know i've made you i've waterboarded you to get the right performance <laughs> and Shove things up your butt, up my butt to get the performance that I want out of me. And it's been it's been a delight. And my, my feet, s- I got blisters on me feet. <laughs> I haven't said my safe word yet. So <laughs> just say bingo one time. That's all it takes. <laughs> I could take it. But uh, let's 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 do your plugs again and we'll get out of here. Um, yeah, you can find me online. Garrett Elzinga, G-E-R-R-I-T. E-L-Z-I-N-G-A. Garrett Elzinga. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Been putting some reels up there, some shorts on YouTube, all the good TikToks, all that mm-hmm. stupid content. I have albums you can listen to, Perspective, Bullet Biter, the MC Sessions, and then my last one that came out in 2020, Slight Return. Um, yeah, so just find all that content out there. Garrett, thank you for being on the show. And I'll, I just wanted to say cut, print, print it. it. <laughs> See you, man. Thanks for having me. See ya.